Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. If you have your Bibles with me this morning, I want to ask you to take them and open them with me to Ephesians chapter five for this morning's message and for our time together today. Last week, we began a new sermon series called It's High Time. It's High Time. And frankly, that title is very strange because in our culture today, this kind of verbiage is somewhat obscure. We don't talk like this way anymore. We might say, hey, it's time to do something. It's an urgent thing, but we don't talk. It's high time. The idea of that phrase, it's high time, suggests It's now or never. It's a moment of urgency in which we need to awaken, we need to be alert, and we need to be aware of what is going on, what God is doing, and what he is calling us to. The image of the idea of it's it's high time is kind of the picture of the alarm clock that's ringing over and over and over and over again, and there's one more ring left. It's now or never. Take advantage of the opportunity. It's the batter in the bottom of the ninth, two outs, two strikes, it's now or never. It's the student with the midnight deadline, it's 11.59, and they're hoping and praying that the submit button works correctly. It's later than it's ever been before. And it's in that moment of urgency that God is calling the church to specific points of action. In fact, in Romans chapter 13, that is the exact verbiage that we saw last week as God gives this word of instruction, Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Remember the context of this as God is saying, listen, I know there's a divided culture. I know there's political issues going on. I know there's, there's despair and there's darkness and there's hopelessness all around. But I want you to know, Christian, it's time to wake up. It's time to get to action. We saw that last week. The truth is we live in a day where much of the world, their eyes are blinded to the truth. Their hearts are hardened to the truth. There is a veil over their understanding. They have not looked to Jesus. They have not accepted him as our Lord and Savior. Many walk in blindness today. But sadly, even in the church, it can be very easy for us to go through the motions, show up at the right places, well, I'm there for the service, say the right things, Even some of us know all the Sunday school answers, and yet it's easy for us to sleepwalk our way through life. It's easy for us in our day-to-day to kind of be like zombie Christians, if you will. Physically, we're here, but our mind is not completely there. Physically, we're here, but our spirit is somewhere else. And I believe what God is saying to the church loud and clear is, it's high time to do some things. Last week, we saw the reminder that it is high time that we wake up, but that calling, as we'll see in our text today, leads us to a second calling, and that is today, I want to preach to you on the subject, it's high time to fill up. It's high time to fill up. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, I want to ask you to stand to your feet for the reading of God's word, and as we read, I want to ask you to think about the first half of this text. And tell me at all if it sounds familiar to what we studied last week from Romans 13, 11 through 14. Listen to what the Bible says. Let no one deceive you with empty words. 
For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now, see if that sounds familiar, you are light in the world. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what's pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Tell me again if this sounds familiar. For this reason it says, what's the key word? Awake, get up, he said. Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead. Listen to the promise. And Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Listen to the command. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. It's high time to fill up. Let's pray. Father, would you speak to our hearts and minds right now? Through the Holy Spirit, would you help us to see, help us to hear, help us to understand, and help us to obey by faith? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. It's high time to fill up. I imagine this morning, we all understand to some extent the importance of being filled with physical nourishment, sustenance, and food. We're not gonna make it very long without it. Let me ask by show of hands today, how many of you are breakfast eaters in the sense that you will hardly do anything else throughout your day until you first stop and have something to eat for breakfast? Anybody like that here today? Very good, all right. And how many of you on the other hand are like, you know what, I could take it or leave it. It's not that really big of a deal. I'll eat some other point in the day. Anybody like that? We're about half and half in this group, aren't we? We're half and half in the previous group as well. Well, the truth is this morning, whether you are for breakfast or against breakfast, we all understand the need for physical food and nourishment. I was reminded of that this past week. Pastor Michael and I were with a group of pastors from Virginia, and we were in North Carolina, and we were at a point of training in a seminary uh, there at, at Wake Forest, North Carolina. And as we were gathered, we had been there for a few days and we were approaching the final day. And the, very, uh, the next to last day, the professor told us, now listen, tomorrow you've gotta be here early. You need to be here an hour earlier than you have been. And so the guys that rode with me that night, I looked at them and said, listen, it doesn't take us but a few minutes to get there. We've gotta be there at 8.15. I'll see you in the lobby at 8.10 and we'll be right to class just in time. Some of you, you plan way in advance. You're there 10, 15, 20 minutes early for everything. I'm there right on time if God allows by his sovereign grace, okay? So the reality is that that's how I function. And so everybody agreed, hey, that sounds good. And then I got to the hotel room and Pastor Michael looked over at me and said, Pastor Matthew, that will not work for me. I said, what do you mean that will not work for you? He said, Pastor Matthew, you know I cannot function without food. We've got to stop somewhere for breakfast. And then I looked at him and I thought, you know what, he's right. I've seen that crazy look in his eye when he's gone 10 minutes without food. He can't function, he's gotta have some food. And so we, we made our adjustments so that we can plan to leave a little earlier, at least get breakfast and all those different things. The truth is, whether you're a breakfast eater or not, 
even those of us who are more like me that could take it or leave it, I know by the time I get to the middle of the day, guess what? My body's telling me you need something to eat. You're burning energy and you can't keep going at this pace. You need some sort of nourishment. I give that as a simple illustration to remind us of this. As much as our body is telling us physically that we need food and we need nourishment, spiritually, all the more, we need nourishment. We need sustenance. We need his help with us. The reality is many times in life as Christians, we find ourselves simply going through the motions, going from step to step, day to day, without truly being sensitive to and surrendered to the Holy Spirit's leading in our life. As a result, oftentimes in our life, instead of being filled with the Spirit, we're hovering somewhere between empty and half a tank. We might rely on the glories of yesteryear. We might rely on the faith of our grandparents. We might rely on the vibrant walk and counsel of others. We might even survive, so to speak, on the occasional good feelings that we get from Sunday morning service. But many of us are not thriving and growing. God wants us to be children of God who are thriving and growing, walking and living our life by the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, maybe another way to say it is this. More important than the food that fills you up for the tasks of the day or the fuel that fills your vehicle to prepare you for the journey, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit of God so that we are equipped and empowered to do the work and will of God. How do we do that? How can we be filled up? How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? I believe God answers that in this text today. And from it, I want us to see four observations about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The first thing I want you to see really is a motivation for it. And that is this. The Bible tells us first and foremost, we have a special calling. We have a special calling. In this point, God is answering the question, who? Who can and should be filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Not everyone can be filled with the Spirit of God. The exact context of this command is God speaking to those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In other words, today, please understand loud and clear, God gives his Holy Spirit to all who accept Christ as Lord and Savior. But if you don't know Jesus, if you've not repented of your sins, if you've not confessed Christ to be the Lord of your life, I want you to know this morning, you might get some principles from wise people in your life, but you do not have the direction and instruction and indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit apart from coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Many live this world walking aimlessly, their eyes blinded because they have not called upon Jesus to be their savior. But for all who do accept Christ as savior, the Bible says we have a special calling. Listen to what he says in verse eight. He says, for you were formerly darkness. Formerly darkness. This is describing all who believed in Jesus. Before I followed Christ and put my faith in him, I was living in darkness. Not only were my deeds filled with darkness, I was doing things that were wrong, but listen, I kept doing those things because I didn't have Jesus in me. I didn't have his Holy Spirit in my life. I didn't have him within me to transform me, to make me the person I wanted to be. Formerly, you were darkness, verse eight, but now, somebody say the word now. Now, this is a current in the moment. You can know without a doubt. Now you are light in the Lord. You were formerly darkness, but God in his grace brought you out of darkness, and now you are light in the Lord, so walk as children of light. We understand today that we live in a dark and sinful fallen world. 
Everywhere we look today, we see death and disease and division and destruction of all sorts. Truth be told, even today, as we look at the, the ideals of the culture, the pressures of the world, the temptations of our flesh, and even the deceitfulness in our own hearts, we're reminded that we live in a dark and fallen world. And yet in the midst of it all, Jesus says, listen, I've called you out of this darkness to live as children of light. Listen to what he said in John chapter eight, verse 12. I am, Jesus said, the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, once you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you no longer are walking in darkness. Yes, the world around you is dark, but because of his light living within us, we can now walk as children of light. What do children of light do? Simply put, they walk as children of light. What that means is that our calling in Christ should determine our conduct. Our profession of faith in Christ should dictate our practices and how we live our lives today. Paul gives us this word of encouragement. Here's what he says. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Being a Christian, being a child of light, does not mean that we are perfect. Being a child of, of light doesn't mean that you never stumble. It doesn't mean that you never fall. It doesn't mean that you never give in to the dark deeds that once possessed you prior to salvation, though. Being a Christian means I've been forgiven I've been saved, I'm being changed and transformed, and I'm seeking to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That word for pleasing in that verse is a very interesting word because it literally means a, a picture here of studying and learning something. I was reminded of that again this week as I came back home from being in, a, in my trip with Pastor Michael. Oftentimes when I've been gone and uh, this season especially has been a season of a lot of travel. Some of the ministries that I serve in outside of Crosslink We've all been meeting virtually for the past almost like year and a half, two years. And they all went back to in-person meetings. And it just so happens to be, they've been back to back to back to back. And it's, it's been a lot of travel in recent days uh, for me. Well, when I come back home, my children are pretty quick to say, Daddy, let me tell you about what happened in my life while you're gone. And they start telling me things, usually based upon what they know I will approve, <laughs> Right? If good things have happened that they know will meet my approval and my acceptance and my affirmation, they're quick to tell me those things. But inevitably, there's also a moment they were like, Dad, could I, after the others go to bed, could we talk for a minute? You know, like, can we talk in private one-on-one? -on -one? Because oftentimes in those moments, those one-on-one -on -one conversations consist of the things I'm telling me that they, they're not so sure I'm going to approve of or accept. And frankly, in their own hearts, they may know already I'm not going to. Well, how do they know what their father will approve and not approve? How will they know what he will affirm and what he will not affirm? Here's how they know. They know by spending time with me. As they spend time with me and we talk and we have relationship and conversation as we talk about scripture or talk about principles or talk about situations in life, they begin to learn what is pleasing and what is not pleasing. And in that same context, what God is calling us to do is this. He's calling us to realize the absolutely impo absolute importance of a personal relationship with him. As children of light, we must remember that we are not the source of light. Jesus alone is the light of the world and only as we have close fellowship and relationship with him will we know what is pleasing to him. Here's the good news. We might live in a dark, fallen, and sinful world, but Christian, 
we are not alone. We are not alone. Jesus has given us his word and we have the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide us and to help us every step of the way. Listen to what Jesus said of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14. Here's what he said. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of, what's the next word? Truth. Listen, you turn on the news today, you can't tell what's true and what's not. It is all over the place. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Those who don't know Jesus, they can't receive him. But because it does not see him or know him, you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Listen to this. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, powerful statement, he will teach you what? All things. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Please understand, we have a special calling as children of light. And the way that we live that out, the way that we learn what's pleasing to the Lord is through a relationship with God, through his word and through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Number two, we have this calling, but we also have a serious caution. Listen to what he says in verses 15 and 16. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. We have a very serious caution. It answers this question. Why should we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why is it necessary to rely upon and to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and not just lean upon my own feelings, my own heart, my own thinking? He answers the question, here's why. Because the days are evil. The phrase that was used here literally would describe the fact that the days are dark. The days are blinding. In the days that we are living in, you can't see clearly the things that are around you. I'm reminded, as Paul penned these words, that the days today have not gotten any better in all these years. The days are evil. We've got to be careful. Again, this week, as I was there at this conference in these series of meetings with Pastor Michael, as I was looking ahead to to my week and kind of my schedule and how things would go, I knew that in order for me to prepare and to pray accordingly, to prepare for this Sunday and this message that I'm preaching right now, it was gonna demand that I get up early in the morning to prepare. Um, Our content that we were going in throughout the daytime, frankly, by the time we'd get back to the hotel at night, my brain was just fried. I was absolutely exhausted. So I knew it meant I had to get up early. And so on the last day that we were there, I set my alarm clock to wake up early so that I could prepare and pray and and be ready to share God's word today. And so sure enough, my alarm clock woke uh, woke me up and, and I quickly got up and got out of bed. And I knew in that moment that Pastor Michael had, frankly, some more time in his bed over there to get some more sleep. But frankly, I hadn't prepared very well. I was prepared to get up and get out of bed, but what I hadn't thought of is this. I didn't think ahead to the reality that I was gonna be waking up, trying to get dressed in a very dark room that I was very unfamiliar with. Anybody ever done that before? I, I remember, I, I, got out, I got out of bed and I remember going over to the, to the desk area and I'm realizing like, all right, I need my Bible and I needed this resource and I needed that and I need to have the hotel key and, and literally I'm doing one of these numbers. I'm literally trying to find on the desk as close as I can and I'm padding, trying to find everything. You know what I mean? Ever done that before? Thought I grabbed the hotel key but I actually grabbed my credit card. That's not, I don't wanna help you out very good. And, 
And I'm moving around and I'm trying to be careful because I know I don't want to wake him up and I need to make sure I get all my stuff. And about that time, I turned the corner quickly. I don't know if you've ever been there. When I did, my toe nailed the edge of that desk. And you know what I said in that moment? I said, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for all things. No, that is not what I said. I said, even so, come, Lord Jesus. That's what I was praying, you know, like, it was not a good moment. Why? Because I was walking in darkness. I couldn't see what was going on. I didn't know what all was there. The, the picture here is literally, as God has said, listen, you've got to understand that the days are evil, so because of that, you've got to make the most of your time. The word making the most of your time literally means buying up the opportunity, taking advantage of it is kind of the picture here. Let, let me ask you a question. Christian, are you making the most of your time? Are you making the most of the opportunity? When I think of that, my mind immediately goes to a visual illustration in my own life. Heather and I are blessed to have four beautiful and wonderful children. But our oldest child is a senior in high school. And while it's awesome and it's exciting and it's enjoyable and it's wonderful and I am loving this season of life with him, there is a sad and sobering reality in this father's heart that this child will not be at home forever. In fact, there's a, a date in my mind that I am in some ways dreading already. And because I know that date is coming, unless Jesus comes again, I find myself being intentional about this conversation and this moment and this time. Why? Because I want to make the most. I don't want to waste it. And yet many of us can live our life like sleepwalkers going in and out and here and there without really taking advantage of understanding the moment that God has put before us. For example, it's so easy at times. God gives us opportunity after opportunity to serve. And yet we often choose our comforts instead. God gives us spiritual gifts for the purpose of edifying and building up others in the body of Christ. And yet it's easy at times to sit on our hands and bury those gifts in the sand. God gives us opportunities for a season and for a moment when he entrusts us with resources and he entrusts us with wealth to be generous in giving to him and to his kingdom. And yet we continually at times refuse. God gives us opportunity to share the gospel, to be a bold witness to the world around us. And yet we so often miss the opportunity because we're marginalized and silenced by society. Yes, these days are evil, but even in the midst of these days, God is calling, calling us to make the most of our time. Well, how do we do that? He says loud and clear. So walk as those who are wise, not as those who are unwise. You gotta have wisdom to make the most of the time. In fact, I would even argue without wisdom, you don't even realize the urgency of the time. The good news for us is that God has promised wisdom to all who ask. James chapter one, verse five says it this way. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives you all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. What a truth. God offers wisdom to all who will ask of him. But please understand, God imparts heavenly wisdom through his word and through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us. Why do we need to be filled with the Spirit? Because the days are evil. And if we're gonna walk wisely, the only way we can do that is to have wisdom from God. John chapter 16, listen to what Jesus said about the role and function of the Holy Spirit. He said, and I quote, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. But when he, again, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into what? All the truth. 
He'll not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. He will disclose to you what is to come. Key word, he will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes the mind and will disclose it to you. That word for disclose is literally him saying, the Holy Spirit's gonna reveal these things to you. Somebody says, man, I just wish I had some direction in my life. I just wish I knew which path I should take. I just wish, I wish God showed me what he wants me to do. Please understand, it's through the Holy Spirit that God lets you in on his secrets and gives you direction for the path and how you should live and what you should do. We have this incredible caution that in the midst of this dark, fallen world, these days that are evil, God has given us the Holy Spirit to lead us and to help us and to guide us so that we walk in wisdom. Number three, as we consider this calling to be filled up, we're gonna spend the majority of our time on this third point. We also have a significant command. Our special calling, we're called to be children of light and to walk as children of light. Our serious caution is simply that, that we would recognize that the days are evil and we must walk wisely. Third, we have a significant command. What is it? It's found in verse 18. Here's what he says. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Many of us today have heard that command, be filled with the Spirit, and yet we have no idea what it means, how we experience it, and what it should look like in our life. Because of that, when we hear this English word, fill or filled, we often lose sight of the biblical interpretation of it. Some have suggested that receiving the Holy Spirit is a second experience after you believe Jesus is Lord. Some have suggested that when you become a follower of Jesus, you get a little bit of the Holy Spirit at salvation, but like a glass half full, you gotta get more of him later so that you get filled up. Both of those applications are completely unbiblical. The word fill in this context literally means to be controlled. To be filled with the Holy Spirit of God literally means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Let me illustrate that in some other passages of scripture. It is his control that leads to action. And when other things in the same way fill our life, they control our actions. Let me illustrate that from Luke chapter four, verse 28. The Bible says, and all the people in the synagogue were, what's the word? filled with rage as they heard these things. Now, was somebody there pouring rage into their life? No, 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 no. What was happening is as they saw Jesus, the leaders they did, as they heard his words, as he taught as one of authority, literally their, their, their heart, their inner being was filled with rage to the point that rage began to control them. The Bible tells the very next verse, literally, that they forced Jesus out of the city and sought for a way to kill him. Why? Because they were being controlled by rage. John 16, verses five and six, the Bible says this, Jesus speaks and says, now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has, what's the next word? What is it? Just make sure, wait, sorrow has filled your heart. Again, nobody was pouring sorrow into them, no. As they were listening to Jesus' words that he was gonna be separating from them and he was going to a different place, their, their lives began to be controlled, their mindset began to be controlled by sorrow. Acts 13, verse 45. When the Jews saw the crowds, once again, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and they were blaspheming. Again, 
in this passage of scripture, the Jewish leaders seeing the movement of God, seeing people being saved and converted, they wanted a following for themselves and they began to be controlled by jealousy. The picture here is reminding us that the, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God literally means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Being filled with the Spirit is not a secondary, mysterious experience after salvation, but a practical awareness of his presence and surrender to his control in our life. Warren Wiersbe says it well. To be filled with the Spirit means to be constantly controlled by the Spirit in our mind, our emotions, and our will. So how can we better understand that? I wanna share with us this morning three simple truths about this command and being filled with the Spirit. And my hope is that as we hear them, God will use it to affirm what, his Bible, what the Bible teaches and encourage us in our own walk to understand that yes, we can be filled with the Spirit of God. The first thing I want you to see this morning is the picture of being filled. The picture of being filled. We're gonna get a little wordy here in just a moment, but while we're here, if you're still with me, would you say, all right. Very good. The picture of being filled. We're answering the question, what does it mean? And in this context, ultimately, how do we see this illustrated? See, there are times in my life as a parent, sometimes in conversation with my children, I will take an illustration that is a positive illustration and I will say, see this illustration? This is what we can learn from this. But there are also sometimes I will take a negative illustration and say, now on the flip side of this, Here's a negative illustration. Here's some things we can learn by this. God here in Ephesians chapter five takes a very interesting picture to describe for us the control of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Notice what he says in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. This is a vivid contrast between being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit, but what they have in common is the messaging of what is in control. When a person is drunk, they are not in control. The alcohol is. It manifests itself through slurred speech, through clouded judgment, through crooked walking, and all sorts of actions that someone of sober mind would likely never consider. The point is that alcohol can control a person's life in such a way that it brings much harm. In fact, alcohol can respond in such a way to practice so much control that it can seemingly change a person's entire demeanor. For example, I don't know about you, but I have seen alcohol make a quiet man so bold that he would sing in public. I have. I have seen alcohol Take a serious man, serious disposition, and make him almost like a humorous class clown in his drunken stupor. I have seen alcohol take a man that was so overwhelmed with grief and at least for a temporary moment seemed to have some sort of appearance of gladness. Why? Because he was under the control of something else. Jesus looks at this negative illustration and says, now let me tell you a positive illustration. The drunkard is controlled and consumed and harmed by alcohol. But let me tell you how the Holy Spirit brings health and holiness and, and wholeness ultimately to the believer. The Holy Spirit takes control. And when the Holy Spirit takes control, he transforms you for the glory of God and even for the good of others. Let me illustrate that. Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus has died on the cross. He's been buried. He's risen again from the grave and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. Acts chapter one, verse eight, he gives a promise but you will receive power when who? 
The Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesus gives that word of commission and that word of encouragement. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. And right after that, he goes into heaven. The disciples all go to the upper room where they begin to pray together. They begin to testify together. They begin to understand the pieces of how God was working and moving, all the things that Jesus had said during that time that he was with them. And then in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit came. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, the Bible says they left that upper room. And as they left that upper room, they began to declare the mighty deeds of God. Picture the scene for just a moment. The Jews in that day who had seen these disciples, in their mind, they determined that these disciples would be discouraged and they would be in despair. I mean, they would have no hope. And yet what they found was the disciples were overwhelmed with joy. The, the Jews of that day thought, surely they're gonna be silent. They're gonna be ashamed. I mean, after all, their Lord was just crucified and embarrassed and mocked before everyone and said what they found. These same disciples were now going out and boldly proclaiming the truth of who Jesus was. The Bible says that literally these Jews from every nation under heaven were hearing the message of Jesus in their own language. The miracle of that moment. How is it possible that we can hear the message of Jesus in our own language? How is it possible that these men should be depressed and in despair, they're living in joy? How is it possible that these who should be silent are walking in bold? When they saw the radical change that had taken place in their life, listen to what they concluded, Acts chapter two. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity saying to one another, what does this mean? But others were mocking and saying, they are full of sweet what? Folks, this ain't grape juice, okay? When they looked at their actions, they were so filled with joy, so filled with boldness, such a miracle was taking place under the Holy Spirit's control that they concluded, these guys are crazy, they must be drunk. When the world looks at us, do they see a change in us? Do they see the joy of the Lord in us? Do they see a boldness, a faithfulness in the gospel? The picture of being filled is simply reminding us of this. Alcohol can control a man and ruin his life. But on the contrary, when the Holy Spirit controls a man, he transforms his life for the glory of God and the good of others. That's why God can take a drunk and he can make him sober. That's why God can take an adulterer and make him clean. That's why God can take a murderer named Saul and make him the great apostle Paul, the minister of the gospel. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit's in control, he transforms. The picture of being filled. Secondly, the process of being filled. The process of being. The scripture says, be filled with the Spirit. So then how are we filled with the Spirit? That's the question. How are we filled? It's important to note, listen to this statement, every follower of Jesus Christ has all of the Holy Spirit within him. The question is whether or not the Holy Spirit has all of you and all of me. We have all the Holy Spirit that we need when we believe in Jesus Christ. The question is, does he have all of us? Let me tell you three quick things that the Holy Spirit does at the very moment of salvation. When you call upon Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, three things he does. Number one, he baptizes us. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, 
whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. At the very moment you call upon Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you're forgiven, cleansed, and saved, and the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. Secondly, he indwells us. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us as God, who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge. The very moment of salvation, you're baptized in the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit of God begins to indwell you. That's why your body, according to 1 Corinthians 6, becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Third, he seals us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. It literally means that salvation, you're baptized into the body, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and in that moment you are sealed and you are certain he God assures you of your future inheritance with Christ. But there's a fourth action. And that is this, the Holy Spirit in that moment begins to prepare us for that other working. And that is this, the Holy Spirit is the one who fills us. He is in us and he is with us. But listen, this doesn't mean that we are automatically once and for all under his control. If you and I at all times were automatically under his control, we would not be given a command to be filled with the Spirit. What God is showing us in his word is that the process is this. It is an ongoing, continual, constant surrender of our lives to him. In fact, in the original language, the phrase that was given here, be filled with the spirit, literally could be translated, be being filled. It is a continuous, day by day, moment by moment action that is required of us as we surrender to him. Let me illustrate that for just a moment. When the Bible says be being filled, it literally means this. We can't manipulate the Holy Spirit. We can't muster it up and say, all right, well now, now it's my choice. Now I'm filled and now I'm not filled. What literally God is saying is this, we've got to prepare our hearts and prepare our lives for the Holy Spirit to take control. Here's the illustration. If I were talking to some of our farmers, we got a few farmers in the church, and I were to go to them and ask them during their time of harvest, well, who brought the harvest? Who's responsible for making sure there are vegetables on this crop or fruit on this crop? Who's responsible for that? You know what they'd tell me? They'd say, God is. And I could look at them and say, wait, wait, wait a second, wait a second. But wait a second, aren't you the one that plowed the field? Aren't you the one that got the rose in order? Aren't you the one that planted the seed? Aren't you the one that, that did all these different things? Oh yeah, I did that. Well, who brought the harvest? God did. Those farmers know no matter what they do, they can't make the fruit automatically appear. All they can do is prepare the field, get everything ready, and the Lord of the harvest will bring the harvest. When you and I recognize that the Holy Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit of God, we can't manipulate him. We can't muster up some false experience. No, instead, we've got to simply come before him, prepare the field of our hearts. It's amazing how God shows up and takes control. How do we do that? I want to suggest two things this morning. Number one, we must continually surrender ourselves to the workings and will of God. 
Literally, just as we daily need food and rest for our physical bodies, for our spiritual life, we must be moment by moment surrendered to the Lord. Because of the deceitfulness of our hearts, the temptations of our flesh, and even at times the ignorance of our minds, it's easy to miss what God is doing. So every day, we need to make sure we're looking to God to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. I'm surrendered to you. Give me your plans. Give me your eyes. Let, my, let your agenda be my agenda. God, I surrender to you. Galatians 5 calls it living by the Spirit and walking by the Spirit. But please understand, when we surrender ourselves to the will and to the working of God, please understand, we're releasing control. We struggle with that, don't we? God, I want to have my plans. I want to have my agenda. I want to have my ways. When we surrender ourselves to the will and working of God, we are releasing control. Secondly, we must be faithful to submit ourselves to the word of God. It is amazing to me how when we daily and regularly surrender ourselves to the Lord and submit ourselves to the word of God, how quickly and how often God shows up and takes control and moves in ways that otherwise cannot be explained. Please understand loud and clear that the Holy Spirit of God always moves in ways that are consistent with the word of God. Someone said, Pastor Matthew, I just, I sense that the Holy Spirit's wanting me to do this. Well, if this is contradictory to the word of God, it is not the Holy Spirit of God. God's spirit always moves in ways that are consistent with his word. Colossians chapter three, verses 16 through 17 gives us a word of instruction. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And all the church to say, amen. With all wisdom, listen to the results of being filled with the word of God because you'll find in just a moment they're the same exact results of being filled with the spirit of God. Teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Pastor, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. When you and I surrender our will to the will of God and submit ourselves to the word of God, the Holy Spirit shows up and takes control. Let me illustrate that in the most practical way I can think of in a recent illustration. A few weeks ago, I, had, I was working, Pastor Michael and I and several other pastors were working on this, this uh, academic project and I realized according to this project, I had to interview a leader. Kind of a loose interpretation, but there was someone specific that God had put on my heart about reaching out to, he's a retired pastor in the community. And so I texted him and basically was like, listen, this is what I'm doing. And I'm kind of behind the eight ball over here and I really need some help. Could you meet me tomorrow for a brief interview? He's like, absolutely, if you buy me a steak, I'll be happy to meet you for lunch tomorrow. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, let, let's do that. Let's meet for lunch tomorrow. And he said, I've got an hour and a half. I said, that sounds great. That's like all the time that I have. Well, mind you, throughout the week, as God would ordain things, I. My time with the Lord had, been, had really just been so good that week and the morning of the luncheon that we had planned, I had my time in God's word, I was reading God's word and, and, and every day I, I strive to pray and live what I just said to you about surrendering our lives completely to the Lord. And so that morning I'm praying like, Lord, uh, here's my plan, would you just be with this meeting, bless it, but God, really my whole day, would you lead and guide it, you take control, whatever you wanna do. And that morning as I had my time in God's word, I'm just telling you, you know there's some days that God gives you a nugget of truth and then there's sometimes you feels like he just, backed up the dump truck, you know, just like, here, here it is, here it is, buddy. That morning was like that for me. There were just so many things that God was convicting me about or directing me about. And 
I was so encouraged by that. I go to meet this retired pastor for lunch. We're sitting down and we're talking. And I mean, before we can even order, we're, we're like immediately in the deep end of the pool talking about the Lord, how's God working? What are we seeing God doing? What are we convicted of in our life? And we're talking about all these different things. And about that time, our, our waiter comes over and, and he asks an uncommon question. He said, man, I'm overhearing you guys. Can I sit down with y'all? So I scoot over in the booth and he sits down beside me and he starts talking, he's asking some questions. And I mean, like 15, 20 minutes later, Bob, I'm like, hey, do you need to go serve anybody else? We don't wanna get you fired here or anything, you know? He said, oh yeah, so he gets up, he serves. We go through this conversation and as God is my witness, like four or five different times, he sits down and talks with us. My hour and a half lunch turned into a little over three hours of lunch. You know why? Because when the Holy Spirit's in control, we aren't. We're talking, we're sharing some of these things. And the last time he sat down with us, he began to share something in his life that immediately, like the alarm started going off in my head. Because as he shared, I began to realize, you know those things that God was showing me in his word this morning? They weren't just for me, they were for him. And so I, I sit there, look at this guy, I'm like, dude, I, I gotta tell you how good God is. When, when I was reading my Bible this morning and, and, and I started talking about pastor's scripture, I started writing them down and he was like, man, that's, that's so good. That's what I needed. I, I wish that, you know, the bottom line is it was so clear the very things that God had given me were exactly what he needed. And as I was talking, there was a book that came to my mind, not a book of the Bible, like a book written about 10 years ago by, by a Christian author. And it just hit me like, this would be the perfect book for this guy. So I told him, man, listen, give me your name and address. Give me an email address, something. I'm gonna send you a book. I want you to read this. And as you have questions, I want you to talk to me about it. He's, oh, that'd be awesome. No sooner had I said that, that the pastor across the street said, what book did you say? I told him. And he looked over at the waiter and he was like, buddy, today is your lucky day. He said, just yesterday, I was in town at a thrift store and I have a habit of going to all the book places and finding old books. And I found this exact book and I opened it. I was shocked. It's never been written in. Nobody's ever used it. I've got it in my truck. Let me go get it. He walked out of the parking lot. He got his book. He literally brought it inside and, and we signed it and gave it to the young man. And as we're giving it to the young man, it hit me. Wait a second. The, man, the manager of this restaurant has been coming to Crosslink. And so I looked at him and said, listen, you're going to read this book. And as you have questions, there's a Christian right here. He's like, yeah, he's my boss. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Your boss can help talk to you about these questions that you have about Jesus and about your faith, about eternal life and God's purpose for your life. So Pastor, what, what are you saying? I'm saying to you that when we surrender our life to the will and working of God, and submit ourselves to the word of God, it is amazing how God shows up and moves in incredible ways. Finally, the thing I want you to see in this process here really is the proof of being filled. And I'm just gonna say this quickly. What is the proof of being filled? Ephesians chapter five. Sometimes we have this idea because of what we've seen on TV or what we've heard here and there. Well, if I'm gonna be filled with the spirit, it's gotta manifest itself in these specific ways. But listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter five. It's really simple speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. One of the first fruits of the spirits is this, 
there will be joy. Christian, in your workplace, are you known for your joy? If not, I would ask you, are you filled with the Spirit? Who's really in control? Verse 20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. What's the second evidence of the Spirit? We'll be filled with thanksgiving for the things we like, right? No, for all things. On Tuesday with this group of pastors, one of the men in the group is been battling cancer for some time and he's getting ready to go through his third round of radiation and chemo. And, and just in God's plan, I, I got to sit down and have lunch with them on Tuesday and I said, man, what's God teaching you through this journey? And he said, he's teaching me the discipline of giving thanks in all things. One of the evidences of the Holy Spirit's control is that in all things, we'll give thanks. A third evidence of the Holy Spirit is this, we will be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Not filled with our pride, our ego, our selfishness, no, will be subject to one another in reverence for Christ. Lord willing, on our Thanksgiving night of worship in two weeks, two Sunday nights from now, I'm gonna talk about those things in much more detail, but understand that the proof of the Holy Spirit will be seen in these ways. But the third thing I want you to see is this, and we'll close. I'm sorry, fourth thing. We have a simple choice. Our calling is that we're called to be children of light. Our caution is that we live in a dark and fallen world and the days, days are evil. Our command is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, which brings us finally to the reality that we have a simple choice. It's a choice. You know, every single one of these other points have answered some questions for us. Who should be filled with the Spirit? What does being filled with the Spirit mean? How can we be filled with the Spirit? But really the final point of a choice God doesn't answer for us. He, he looks at those who are Christians and he says, listen, this is my command. This is my calling. Here are the reasons why. Here's how this happens. But in the end, he doesn't answer the final point. And the reason why is this. He leaves it up to us. Because really the question is a personal question. Will you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Will you live your life for your will, your wants, your ways, your control? Or will you live it completely surrendered to the Lord? My hope and prayer for us as a body of Christ at Crosslink, for each of us in our own lives, for each of us in our own homes, is that we will realize God is calling us to wake up, but he's calling us in this moment to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not taking a day off, not coasting and sleepwalking through life, but every day aware of his presence, every day surrender to his will, every day being filled with his word, every day being controlled by his guidance and his direction. Can I just remind us, we don't have time to waste. If we want to make the most of our time, it's time to wake up.
If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, today, now is the day of salvation. You can be saved by simply calling upon Jesus and confessing him to be the Lord of your life. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I plead with you, let's not merely go through the motions. Let's make the most of the time that God has given us. I would love to think that we have days, weeks, years, decades of time left. But none of us are guaranteed that time. A few days ago, I I heard the news of of an old friend that I grew up with. He's in his early 40s. Last weekend, while we were having worship services, he had something come up, rushed to the hospital. They had to do heart surgery, several stents. Monday, things looked good. Tuesday, things were improving. Wednesday, something wasn't was right. And Thursday, he was gone. Early 40s. I don't know how much time we have but I know that the time we have in the moment is a gift from God and we must make the most of it. And the only way we can do that is by the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction in our lives. Let's be surrendered to him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this time together. Thank you for the ways that you speak to our hearts and our lives. Lord, there are... (laughs) There's no shortage of ways in which we can waste our time. But in this moment, you're calling us to yourself. You're calling us to a relationship with you through faith in Jesus Christ. God, I pray if there's anyone here today who needs to be saved from their sin needs to experience that relationship with you, that today would be the day that they call upon Christ for salvation and experience the joy of that relationship. Father, there are some here today who wonder and question, could they ever go from being a drunkard to being sober? Can you really make the adulterer clean? really make the murderer a minister? God, there are some here today who who know Christ as Lord and Savior, and yet they are still very much defeated by the sins of their past. So God, I pray today that they would surrender control to you, that they would be aware of your presence within them, and that today you would give them the clear conviction that they are a new creation in Christ. And I pray they would live it out and they would walk in obedience and walk in victory from this day forward. Father, even as took place in the previous service, Lord, I pray that you would show the addict today that you can set them free. Father, I pray for each of us today that if there are areas in our life that we have not surrendered to you, may today be that day and today be that moment 
when we surrender our lives completely anew and afresh to you. Lord, I know that's scary for us. We like to have control. We like to think we have control. God, help us to trust you and to yield ourselves completely to your will. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.